we are uh, gearing up for um, an interesting uh, interview here. I think it's, it's Courtney's coming on the show. So let me give you a little bit of background. I've talked a little bit about the digital archive of The Hook, which was a, an alternative weekly in Charlottesville for many years. And there's been a mystery that developed around it where the digital archives disappeared from online. And we're talking about years and years of stories that just went poof and nobody could uh, access them. So what happened was it turned out that the uh, – is are we still waiting on Courtney? Oh, okay, good. I, sorry, I'm, I'm working with the producer. We're just trying to get our guest on. Uh, so the, the archives, it turns out, were purchased by somebody. Uh, and there was kind of a mystery owner. I think it's still a mystery, but – I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Courtney explain it a little more. Happy to have her on, journalist and podcaster Courtney Stewart. Good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks. It's it's great to hear your voice. And for people who don't know, Courtney used to live in Richmond as well and worked at Style Weekly and was a journalist here. And now you've been a journalist in Charlottesville on television, on radio, doing all kinds of things. I've been jumping mediums, yes. <laughs> you're yes, you're cross you're crossing over. And <laughs> what I'm we're having you on today because there's such an interesting thing that happened with one of your previous employers, The Hook, uh, yeah. which I was explaining to people is a former Alt Weekly in Charlottesville that ran for gosh, how many years? Uh almost, let's see, 2002 to uh 2013, so 11 uh 11 almost 12. So multiply 12 years times weekly news stories that go in a weekly newspaper. That's a lot of information. And you all went out of, uh, you, you closed down, you became, really became part of this other alt-weekly down there called Seville Weekly. And right, so the papers right. had come under, right, they'd come under the same ownership umbrella a few years prior, then there was a decision to shut the hook down. And so the archives then became the property of Seville Weekly, and they were maintaining them at a website. Right. So you could still go online, and if I wanted to, or or even if I did a Google search, let's say for a story, one of the one of the selections might be something that the Hook had published. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So that one day, tell me what happened. You woke up one day and it was gone. Right. <laughs> is that right. Is so, it? so from. Yeah. Yeah, so from 2013 until this past late spring, May, June, uh, the, the site was up. It was searchable. They were still highly ranked results because we had done such a good job uh, with, you know, labeling keywords. And, uh, and so it was a really vibrant site, even as an archive. And we noticed, uh, I started getting emails, and I noticed that it, it was gone. It, the site was down, and I assumed it was just a glitch. Something had happened and it could be fixed easily. So I contacted Seville Weekly and I said, hey, the site's down. Can you get it back up? And I found out that uh, it was not just a glitch, that they had actually sold uh, the, uh, the Hook archive to uh, an anonymous buyer. Yeah. How do you sell to an anonymous person? <laughs> well, they were approached by an attorney with a, a, apparently a very, very generous offer. And this was, you know, they said during the pandemic, times were tight and they needed the money. And so the assumption is that, that that entity purchased the online archives and then took it down. And that's called, what, catch and kill? Is that, that's a phrase that people are well, hearing. 
we couldn't figure we didn't know that immediately but um right so we started thinking what they they said the buyer had said he had found a way to or the buyer had found a way to monetize dormant media and that made no sense we assumed it was probably a catch and kill where somebody pays to make a story that they don't like go away and in this case made an entire archive of 22,000 plus stories disappear what what did you do what was the reaction i know that you and some Co-workers uh, from some of your former colleagues all got together. What was there that you could uh, do? So we started doing, it's kind of like the Hook team came back together for an investigation. We started, we created a petition on change.org, and that resulted in a tip from somebody who was more tech savvy than we were, who said, check out this site. I think it's called Lumen. And we started seeing on this site that there were a bunch of copyright challenges all relating basically to one story, a story I had written about an alleged uh, sexual assault at the University of Virginia. And we were in communication with the Washington Post and Paul Farhi, the, uh, the reporter there, um, was also doing, you know, in- investigating along. Uh, and so that resulted in the Washington Post publishing a story about six months later. Uh, and, you know, the, the clues pointed to this single story. And, and, uh, and there's you know, several people named in that, one of whom had been accused. And so the assumption, and we don't know this to be true, but the assumption was that somebody that was unhappy with how they were covered in in your stories did not want those stories out online anymore. The circumstantial evidence is is pretty strong that it was this one particular story that was being challenged across other websites where it had been republished. The Center for Public Integrity was one place that had been challenged because they several reporters there had done some reporting on this same case. And uh, yeah, so so it it looked as though this was this was the story uh, at the heart of uh, of the purchase. Right. Have uh, so what was the next step? What happened next? So the Washington Post story came out, and I did a TikTok. And you know, I I, I was not a huge TikTok user really. I had a couple <laughs> thousand followers, um, uh-huh. and I did this sort of long form storytelling with the Washington Post article, and it blew up got, I think it's at 1.5 million views, and it was spread all over the place. And people were outraged wow. that uh, that this newspaper archive had been destroyed through an apparent catch and kill. And the reaction was really strong. And several, I guess, hacker types uh, downloaded the site from the Wayback Machine, which is the Internet archive, where you can't search it, but the stories still sort of exist, uh-huh. uh, and posted it uh, offshore wow. and said that you know, this won't, will not take it down. So that's where things stand. And we don't know who that person is? That person has identified themselves only by the letter F. Okay. And so that, you know, they must have spent money to do this or, all, you know, they have the resources. I mean, there are, I am not a hacker, so I don't know all that went into this. I know there were multiple people doing something similar. And so the issue, of course, is republication. Um, if it happened in the United States or if we were to do it, we could open ourselves up to copyright claims and be forced to take it down by courts. So somebody anonymous, the letter F, uh, doing this and posting it, it, it seems to be posted somewhere in the uh, like offshore in the Caribbean. Uh, that is not going to be subject to American copyright laws. That's wild. And they said they're not taking it down no matter what kind of... Uh legal action is taken against them. That's that's the claim. Uh, I would like to see, you know, if there's 
you know, if there is some guarantee that it can stay up indefinitely, because the whole point for me was not so much. I mean, it is about the hook archive. That's my work. But it was a bigger picture issue for me, which is that newspaper archives and news archives in general are meant to be a resource for the public. They are a foundation of our democracy. And so I wanted this to like be a bigger issue story than just one small town paper. Right. And, you know, for me, it, it really was a reminder that we take so much for granted about what's online. And we think if something's online, because we always are told this, well, it, it's remember, you got to be careful what you put online because it'll be there forever. And in many ways, that's true. But there are some things that may go away and something like this could happen to anybody. I, I mean, here in Richmond, uh, you know, Style Weekly was purchased and then it was going to be closed down. And that if, if there was no one to guard that website, all those stories from 40 years or however long they had online would simply go away. And they do. Every news organization that I have worked for, I have lost stories through, uh, through changing the platform, the web platform, and, and the archives disappear. And the companies, the for-profit companies, apparently don't see the archive as um, you know, having huge monetary value, and, and it carries a cost. So I am thinking now about, you know, what, if anything, could be done to prioritize those as a, as a public value? You know, is there anything we can do to protect news archives that is not just at the whim of a corporation that's profit-driven? Right. Have you come to any conclusions about this, or is this just something you're exploring? I would like to speak to representatives. You know, like, I, it's something I'm exploring. I am not a lawyer. I'm not a politician. I'm a reporter. Uh, but I, I would like to see if there's some way. I mean, these, you know, the, the paper copies exist in libraries, but they should be searchable, right? I mean, we all use the Internet, uh, and we have this expectation that things will be there. Is there some way to digitize library uh, library archives in a way that would not um, violate copyright? Things yeah. like that. And you think about the Library of Congress, too. You think that they're mm-hmm. they're holding on to things. They, that might be something as well. But then again, you get into government uh, government use there, too. One of the things we talked to Bill Martin about, uh, who's the uh, director of the Valentine Museum here in Richmond, is the digital archives of Style Weekly. And uh, for many years, of course, Style wasn't online. It was producing papers, and those papers were bound in books, and we had a library. And there was concern about what would happen to all of those as they were sold. And so they uh, they arranged to have those physical archives sent to the Valentine, and now the Valentine is going to spend a long time taking those pages and digitizing them to be put online. So everything's in this weird circle that's coming around again because we think, well, the digital will be permanent and we'll save it. And I guess it will be, but uh, maybe not online forever. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, and, and because, because the copyright of the hook is now owned by this person, whoever that is, our efforts to see if libraries could digitize have been met with like concern that they would be violating copyright because you have to have the you have to have the consent of whoever owns the content in order to do that what what else uh has this uh taught you about this topic oh my gosh uh <laughs> well i mean i think the the the, imp- the it's it's highlighted the importance of archives 
it's highlighted the you know sort of the threat. The threat to journalism is not just shrinking newsrooms; it's the failing to recognize that journalism and reporting becomes more valuable as time goes on. In my final editor's note, I, I ended my time at the Hook as the editor. I wrote I wrote a goodbye letter. And in that letter, it was almost uh, prescient, I guess, you know, sort of foreshadowing. I thanked all the journalists who had come before us, mm-hmm. decades before us, for their work that had allowed us to do some of the reporting we did for The Hook. And so, you know, it's just made me think more about that, how this is the first draft of history, how this is, you know, this is where the public should be able to come to find the truth, to hold truth to power, and all this stuff. And it's just, it's just reinvigorated my passion for journalism and my development see that we uh, do what, what we can to keep it alive. Yeah, especially now that more uh, print editions of things are going away and more emphasis is being placed online. So uh, thanks for your work and for drawing attention to this. And and uh, I should ask before we go, if anybody wants to go look at the archives of The Hook, where would they go? Can they find it easily? Well, now they're at readthehook.net. Okay. That's the new site. And unfortunately, right now, it's not as searchable as the original site was. So you, you can go there, but you can't search by topic yet. I'm hoping that that can be something that's restored as well. Yeah. And, and you know, also, just as we go, a, a highlighting the responsibility that if you do own some kind of archive like this, there is a responsibility there to hold on to it as best you can, if possible. Yeah, it's a precious resource. Courtney Stewart, thanks so much for your uh, for your story today. I've been following the mystery, and I hope we can figure this out one of these days. Jason, I really appreciate you having me on. Good talking with you. Happy New Year. Courtney Stewart, uh, Charlottesville uh, journalist and podcaster and former editor at The Hook on News Radio WRVA.